0: Welcome to the Community of Broken Spirit Podcast. We are a group of people who unwittingly became a community when we found ourselves together in a business. Through years of meeting and working together, we, from different church backgrounds, discovered just what it takes to love one another, once and all. As God empowered us to comprehend His incredible love, we found ourselves more and more distant from the institutional church, finding is somewhat consumed, preoccupied, and quite removed from the lives we live. It was not exactly a healthy place to be in for us and for our families. We return to his simple gospel, to know God, to be loved, and to love one another. Perhaps this place may inspire some that us before, who inadvertently found themselves without a life or church, to desire after Him again. Each season, we will be sharing stories of our members, sharing the raw, unedited journey of how we came to find Christ and what our lives look like today. We hope by sharing our stories, we can inspire others to avoid the mistakes we made and encourage each other to keep going. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. This is the second episode of the season. We'll bring you on a history lesson of the church and how it has developed over the years from the Israelites building a tabernacle to King Solomon building a magnificent temple to the modern day churches we are all familiar with. But unfortunately, not all, but many churches have become more like institutions, rigid, controlling, ceremonial, and unreal, lacking in joy and relevance, looking more like a cozy social club or an activity center for bored, grumpy, and gossiping senior citizens. So then, what kind of church Does God want us to build or have? Find out in this episode.
1: History of the Temple The Lord took me back in time to when people tried to build God a house. Number one, the Tabernacle of Moses. The Tabernacle was a mobile temple, a dwelling place for God, as the Israelites wandered in the wilderness after their exodus from Egypt for about 40 years. God's glory will fill the tabernacle like a cloud, and when it lifts and moves, the Israelites know it is time to pack and move with it. You can read it in the Book of Exodus, chapter forty, verse thirty-four and two thirty-eight. The Ark of the Covenant was central to the tabernacle, as it was where God said He would meet and speak with Moses. The people donated all the materials and resources needed to build the tabernacle. In fact. The amount given was in excess of what was needed and the excess was returned to them. So there was no debt when the temple was completed and no surplus building fund. It was a place to worship God with burnt offerings. Levites were chosen by God to take care of the tabernacle on a full-time basis. Levite priests offered prayers on behalf of all the people of Israel there. Next was the first temple built in the year 957 before Christ. King David instituted round-the-clock worship with music and singing when he built God this magnificent temple in Jerusalem, often referred to as the first temple in 957 BC. King David had prepared all the resources for, including the temple design for his son King Solomon to build the temple with no loans or debt. You can read this in 1 Kings chapter 5-8. to 8. The tabernacle of Moses was dismantled and the Ark of, co- of the Covenant was then brought into this temple. Levites were full-time employees for this temple. They did not engage in other vocations or businesses. It was when the nation of Israel fell into sin and the whole country went into economic hardship that the Levites had to abandon the temple and find work outside. Throughout the Bible, we find that the temple was often the subject of much desecration and pillage as subsequent kings forgot God. The Bible repeats the same sad lie throughout the books of kings. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Next, we come to the second temple, which is also called the Temple Mount, which was built in 516 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and the first temple in the year 586 before Christ. The Jews were then taken captive to Babylon and the city had no center of worship until Zerubbabel and the returning exiles built the second temple. It was much more modest than the first temple and was completed in the year 516 before Christ. Ezra, Nehemiah and Haggai played a part in the rebuilding of the temple after the Babylonian captivity. The second temple was greatly enlarged by Herod the Great beginning in 20 BC in the 17th year of his reign, but it was destroyed by the Roman general Titus in 17 AD. Jesus was dedicated in the second temple. Today, what is left of the Temple is mere rubble, just as Jesus had told the Pharisees what would happen to it. The Temple Mount is a politically sensitive and tense area. Although Israel liberated it from Jordanian control, in the Six-Day War of 1967, they allowed the Muslim wak, the religious committee in Jordan, to have administrative control over it because it holds a Muslim shrine, the Dome of the Rock, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. These were built by a Muslim caliphate from Syria in the 7th century. So you can see that this was more than a thousand years after the Temple was first built. Both places are considered sacred to Muslims and Arabs. Non-Muslim prayer is prohibited at the Temple Mount. Jews still pray night and day at the Western world, which is below the Temple Mount, along a section of the Great Retaining Wall of the Mount, which is in the Jewish quarter of the Old City. The Western Wall is as close as Jews can get these days to the site of their ancient temple. The Temple Mount area is also the location of the birth of the Christian Church at the Feast of the Pentecost. Finally, we come to today's temple, the Church. Today the church also serves as a temple for Christians to worship God and to hear a message preached on its pulpit. It is usually housed in a building or venue where Christians gather every week, usually on weekends when they have their rest day from work. I've always attended church services regularly ever since I was born again in 1983 and I believe it is important to worship God together with other Christians. In the churches I used to go to, membership rules required that members tithe, that is give 10% of their income to the church. Besides tithes, members were handed the offering back at service every week to give more offerings and at times to other special purpose funds, for example, a mission fund or outreach fund. We also had to pledge to contribute to a building fund to pay for the lease or construction of the premises. They depended on a continuous flow of funds to repay building loans and to maintain the premises and services. I faithfully contributed to all of that. Because of added financial pressures and high operating costs of maintaining a church building that remains highly un- underutilized for the rest of the week, the church has to watch its costs carefully. It also has to rely heavily on volunteers from the congregation to men's services and programs. In the more successful churches, the money coming in far exceeds their operating costs and that creates a different set of challenges altogether. Churches today come in different sizes, denominations and affiliations. They may be run centrally, collectively or independently. Despite having been actively and enthusiastically involved with the church for most part of my Christian life, I have felt strangely estranged from them in the past few years. While we have many good friends and mentors in several churches, my husband and I struggle to find one we can both feel at ease in, and I sometimes worry that we may grow cold in our Christian faith if we do not settle down in one soon. Predicament with today's church I have observed that the church of today, with the exception of a small few, in some of the countries i visited, have somewhat become like an institution – rigid, controlling, proud and conceited, ceremonial and unreal, lacking in joy and relevance, looking more like a cosy social club, or an activity centre for bored, grumpy and gossipy senior citizens. On the other hand, there are also the busy and flourishing ones, full of life and market appeal, where the program is spectacular and the speakers are cool, everything and everyone pumped up to entertain, dazzle and impress, hoping to attract a huge fan base, promote book sales and boost membership numbers. Not much different from a rock concert. Maybe I have not tried hard enough, for I have yet to find a place of worship where the Holy Spirit in me and I can totally worship God and where God is the central and only focus. It was in this desperation that when I found favour from the management at our place of business to let me start a weekly worship meeting, my team members and I jumped into it with great enthusiasm, even though none of us are even close to being musically gifted or inclined. But maybe this is precisely what God had planned to take a bunch of us to learn how to worship him, not with musical talents, but in spirit and in truth. Much to our delight, he shows up at every meeting and taught us what is worship that he delights in. This you can find in the segment on worship in the book of Sarah on our website. The Lord started to speak to me about the church, his body. 1. The church is not in buildings. In the New Testament, we see Jesus displaying one of his rare moments of rage. He cleared the temple, overturned tables, drove out money changers and salesmen and oxen and sheep with a whip. He also poured out the money of the money changers on the ground. Can you imagine that? Jesus in a fit? If someone does that in a house of worship today he will probably be shot or arrested. Why? What made Jesus so angry? I believe it's because the priest and the people make a mockery of the temple, which we see earlier in its origin. is a holy sanctuary where God may come and speak to his people, a place of worship and prayer to the Almighty God. When challenged on the authority to do all that, Jesus made a profound statement that his crucified body would become the temple, no longer a building made by human hands. And the proof? He will raise the temple in three days. You can read with me in John chapter 2 verse 18 to 22 on the, with the NLT version. But the Jewish leaders demanded What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, His disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Number two, the new temple, indestructible and incorruptible. Take a moment to think about this. The temple was originally a place where God communicated with his people, a place where his presence was visible to all. Then it became a magnificent physical building. There was a sight to behold, but it caused them to lose sight of God. Each time it was damaged or destroyed, they would rebuild it, and it would be destroyed over and over again. They are still planning to rebuild the third temple, even now. They just don't seem to get it. Maybe this is why God did not allow me to visit Israel to see the Temple Mount, For many years after I became a Christian, eager as I was, when I finally made that long-awaited trip only a few years ago, I realised why. The temple there is only a relic. God is not there. In fact, I was rather disturbed by what I encountered there instead. But that would be another story to be told. I found that when people try to put God into a grand building, it somehow becomes the beginning of the end of their church, and the building eventually becomes a dead monument, good only for tourism. History has proven Jesus right. Buildings don't last. But the new temple, which is his resurrected body, because it's not made by human hands, it is indestructible and incorruptible. Number three, he is not impressed with magnificent buildings. Only people are. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 1 and 2, as Jesus departed from the temple, his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus was hardly impressed. I suspect it's the same with the many of the churches today. Jesus is not impressed and he asks his disciples and asks to see again that everything that is built out of vanity will ultimately be destroyed. Through the past decade, I've been led to visit many magnificent cathedrals throughout Europe, built by kings and queens, by famous architects, clad with jewels and beautiful art and sculptures. But alas, the Spirit of God is not there. Number four the only temple where God desires to dwell in. Jesus went to save Saul, later renamed Paul. God loves irony, I think. Paul, who describes himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees, bent on getting rid of all Christians, was blinded so that he can be free from the blinding pride of religiosity. Jesus proved himself to Paul and healed him, so that he can see who God really is. That is not something or someone you can reduce to a mere set of rules, ideology or tradition. Through the Holy Spirit, Paul became Christianity's most learned and insightful evangelist and teacher. He wrote extensively to the Gentile churches and through him, we understand a bit more about the temple and where the Church of God is. In First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul wrote, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. The only temple that God desires to dwell in through His Spirit is our body. I pause to think about what the Lord has shown me. Before these lessons from the Lord, we had been members of a vibrant mega church in Singapore, which I know the Lord has led us to go for a couple of years. It is aesthetically beautiful, the musical presentation top class, the sermons were fun, inspiring and relevant. We were part of a cell group that comprises older businessmen and we wholeheartedly supported its vision to impact modern culture and bring the good news to cities. So we pledged to its multi-million dollar building fund raising efforts which happens a few times a year, and contributed faithfully to the behest of the senior pastor's call to build God an iconic building to shine for God in the marketplace. Sounds good, right? Until one day, the Holy Spirit t- told me to stop contributing to the building fund. Which I did, of course to the concern of our pastor and my husband. It was not long after that, in 2012, that two pastors, key members and staff of the church were arrested for charges of criminal breach of trust of 50 million Singapore dollars of church funds. After a long trial, all six who were charged were sent to jail in 2015. I leave their motives and intentions to the Lord's judgment. But my husband felt that we have to leave when he got wind of more details of what was happening. This incident led us to realize how easily we have been sold into this vanity project and I thank God for telling me when to pull the bricks. But then the problem is this, where do we go from here? How can we trust that we will not be misguided or blindsided again to what is happening? How can we continue to fellowship with other believers which pleases the Lord and worship God corporately, safely? I continue to mull over what the Lord has shown me and in the next episode, I was happy to discover that actually is really quite simple. I just need to go back to the beginning to God's mobile
0: temple. How did you like the episode? We hope you enjoy it. In next week's episode, we will reveal what Sarah's Iroka moment was when she found out what the right church or community for us as fellow believers. Looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hi there. If you found that this episode resonates with you or if you would like to share your story, please drop a review at Apple Podcast. It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content of this podcast. By doing so, you will also help more people find this podcast. If you are interested, we also have a blog at communityofbrokenspirit.org. Again, it's a community of Brokenspirit.org where we post twice a week stories and parts of our members' journals from past and present years. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter.